You know, when Scott told me that we would be doing the Beatitudes, uh, the first thing that my mind went to was when I was in seminary. Now, I started seminary when I was 40 years old. And um, I had a professor uh, for contemporary evangelism. His name was Dr. Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell was a legend at Southwestern uh, Theological Seminary. But it was his last semester that he was going to teach. And as a matter of fact, he stood up in front of the class and he told us, he said, look, I've been holding back all these years. But now, since this is my last semester teaching, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let loose. I'm going to say a bunch of things that I've been wanting to say. He was just a fabulous professor. And so contemporary evangelism, as a matter of fact, uh, back then, we used to have seminary classes here at Prestonwood on Mondays. I used to go to class on Monday. Uh, we, there was probably, I would say, 40 to 50, if not more, uh, students over in the West Wing uh, taking cl- seminary classes. And uh, so... Dr. McDowell taught contemporary evangelism, and after that, he taught a one-credit class called Spiritual Formation. Now, I have to tell you, and I was hoping Dr. Smith would be here uh, so he could hear this, but uh, Spiritual Formation, all it was is they would put in a videotape, and you had to watch that class and keep a notebook on, uh, on what it was speaking to you, okay? The videotapes were horrible. I mean horrible. And Dr. McDowell, it was bothering him. And, and we were, you know, everyone else was sitting out in the class fidgeting, not paying attention. He jumped up. He says, I can't take this anymore. I can't take it anymore. And uh, turned off the uh, videotape and said, everyone open up your Bible, chapter five in the book of Matthew, in the gospel of Matthew. And for the rest of that semester, he went over the Beatitudes. I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest experiences. In, in seminary here. So uh, we are blessed by these messages, and that doesn't surprise us because Beatitudes in Latin, that's what it means, to be blessed. It's one of the most loved and thought-provoking portions of the gospel. It's really a series of proclamations that are leading into this Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, this is the first and longest message of Jesus that we have in the gospel. Jesus is announcing that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. He's, it's a, been a calling for the people. He's been calling for the people to repent. And what is described here has been referred to as the manifesto of his kingdom, where he unveils the foundations and the character uh, of life in that kingdom. Now, just picture this scene here, okay? I like to picture scenes when you, when you read about these accounts in God's word. But picture this, you know, Jesus, he saw the crowds. Wherever Jesus went, there were crowds, the people wanted, they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. There was never anyone like Jesus. So he saw the crowds. He goes up on the mountaintop. He sits down, which was a teaching position for, for rabbis. And Jesus, he is the master teacher. And he, to his, his disciples come to him. And what does he do? He pours into them. Again, he's the master teacher. These are the words of God. Jesus is God in flesh, and he is pouring into his disciples. He's pouring into the people. Now, what Jesus has told us, what we've been studying, he tells the people, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are, are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And what we're going to talk about here tonight in verse 8 is this sixth proclamation where Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For they shall see God. Now, a proclamation is something that is important. Now, in my role with uh, city council, uh, we give proclamations all the time. As a matter of fact, last Thursday night, I had, I had to go to an event and deliver a proclamation on behalf of the city. But what a proclamation is, is a public or an official announcement, especially one dealing with matters of great importance. But what we have here is a promise has been given, and the promise is that we shall see God. But the premise part of it is that we must be pure in heart. Now, this whole promise premise concept is something that we see throughout God's word. As a matter of fact, you know, I, here at the church, I teach biblical finances, and you know, God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one who provides. But that doesn't mean that we can go home and lay on our couch and lay there day after day and just say, okay, God, you know, provide, meet my needs. We have to get up and do our part. And that is the case with a lot of God's promises. A promise is made, but there's a premise that we've got to get up and do our part here. We'll talk about the greatest uh, promise, premise uh, concept here in a moment. And the question that we have here tonight is that what does one need to do to be considered pure in heart? Now, just the mere mention of that word pure means that a cleansing, a washing must take place. Today, I got up this morning and uh, I'm out working in my yard and, and uh, uh, working in our, in our pool area and all that. And, and I, am, I am filthy, absolutely filthy. If I would have shown up here tonight with all that filth, you, you would have been distracted from any words that I spoke. You know, you would have went away tonight saying, that wrong guy, he stinks, literally, okay? And, uh, but I had, I had to wash myself. There had to be a cleansing before I could show up here tonight. Well, anyways, um, the fact of the matter is uh, we have all been born possessing the filth of sin. That is the truth. And we'll come back and talk about that here in a moment. We have to remember the audience that, that Jesus is speaking to. Now, I mentioned that his disciples, they came up on the mountainside to hear what Jesus had to say. But the fact of the matter is there were many people, and the people were gathering around Jesus. You know, we see in the gospel messages, there are times when Jesus would speak to a person, but he was speaking to all of the people that were around and an amazing thing that he is even speaking to us thousands of years later. So, um, and so this audience that he is addressing, these are stiff-necked people. These are stiff-necked people. Now, you know, before we did this study, we were in the book of Joshua. And my other Bible fellowship classes, they wanted to go on. We're, I'm actually doing judges in my other class. 
But I think this, this concept of, of stiff-necked people, is, 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 it plays out in, in, in our study in Joshua, where we saw, here's Joshua. He takes over for Moses, the greatest leader that there ever was. God kept pouring into him, just telling him, Joshua, I'm going to do great things through you. Joshua, be strong and courageous. He brings the people over the river, the Jordan River. And um, it was purely a God thing in light of the fact that that, that river was raging. Uh, they start to conquer and overtake um, uh, all these cities so that the people could be given the land that was promised to them. The closing scene in the book of Joshua, Joshua drives a stake in the ground. And he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people said, yeah, 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 that's how, that's how we feel. But what Joshua does is he rebukes them. If you remember this, what he tells them, you know, your words, your words are okay. But the fact of the matter is, when you go back into your tents, you're going to have your hidden false gods and false idols, where you have one foot in the world and you have one foot uh, following the Lord. And the Lord doesn't want lukewarmness. You're either with him or you're not. Now, the good news there is they, 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 they repented. They came to their senses. But you go on in the book of Judges, and what we see there is a cycle where God's people, God's chosen people, are living in bondage, and they do the only thing that they can do to get out of this bondage. They cry out to the Lord. Actually, there's a great lesson for us here today in our world. This whole political, I don't know about you, I'm just so tired of it all. I, I, Hillary Clinton is not going to save our country. Donald Trump is not going to save our country. We need Jesus. We need a heart change in our land. So anyways, um, so these judges would, would appear after crying out to the Lord because that's who our God is. He's a God of restoration. The judge would appear. He would lead them out of bondage. Uh, they would live in freedom and prosperity. The judge would pass away, and then they would go back to their evil ways and just repeat the cycle. Repeat the cycle. The reason why I bring this up is that their hearts, God's chosen people, the people that God said, I'm going to do great things through you, their hearts were not pure. Their hearts were not pure. I did a lot of research this week on what does it mean when we say we must be a pure-hearted person. Here's, here are some of the statements that, that are written in the commentaries about a person who possesses a pure heart. Number one, one whose motives are unmixed. Meaning that, look, I'm going to do something really nice for you, but my motives really are to benefit myself. Okay? I, I have motives to just look out for Ron, okay? And um, so my motive, one's motives are unmixed. Um, also, those thoughts are, are holy, whose thoughts are holy, whose conscience is clean. The pure in heart are those who are free from evil desires and purposes, those who live by faith, by the spiritual vision of a regenerate heart. What I like to say, it's a changed life. We live a changed life. When we come to Christ, uh, we change. I don't think there's a greater example in the New Testament other than the Apostle Paul. 
The Apostle Paul who spoke and said that I would give up my own salvation if my Jewish brothers and sisters would come to know Jesus as Lord. I mean, those aren't just words. He meant it. I stand up here tonight. I don't know if I could make that statement. But, but the Apostle Paul had a, pure, had a pure heart, and he wanted it for others. We see in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, he said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He wanted people to know Jesus, and not only know him, but to know him better. He also said in verse 18, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Well, what does this all mean to us here in the year 2016? I mentioned earlier that we are all born with the filth of original sin. And that's just, that's just the fact of the matter here. But we come to the point where we realize that we do fall short. We fall short of God's holy, righteous standard. And we've got to do something about it. And we need that cleansing. That's why we're given the law, the Ten Commandments, to make us realize just how sinful we are. And what we're leading up to in these Beatitudes, this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes it a step further. I mean, I've never murdered anyone, but I have hated someone with my heart. And what Jesus tells us on this Sermon on the Mount, I'm just as guilty as the one who murders. It's rather convicting. It, 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 it leads you to the point where you realize that we are filled with sin. And our only hope is the blood of Jesus. What we have to do is take action. This whole promise premise concept, we have to take action. We have to trust Jesus. And that is the first step of having a pure heart that is spoken of here in our text tonight. And once we do that, our, our name is in the Lamb Book of Life. Uh, we're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we are going to, we have eternal promises. Um, and, but the fact of the matter, there are some who do have an authentic, uh, they have an authentic conversion where they do truly trust Jesus, but they believe that's it. That's the high point. That, that's, that's all I need to do. And they go back to their normal ways and their normal life. I'm here to tell you, Jesus spoke of the abundant life. And that abundant life is certainly going to come when he returns. But the fact of the matter is, we can live with that abundant life here in our time that we have left on this earth. Now, we are living in a fallen world where there's so much darkness, but we can still live in the light. And... Um, so the fact of the matter is we're babies in Christ. We're babies in Christ. And the sanctification process needs to begin. We are called to be like Christ. We are called to be like Christ. And what we are told in this verse here to have pure of heart is that we need to seek, we need to go after it in terms of being like Christ. Now, the good news is we have a helper. 
Jesus said that he had to leave so he could send a helper. And one of the things, when we trust Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we are indwelled with his Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. God is, that's God inside of us. God is the Father, he is the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we have that indwelled inside of us. So we don't have to do this on our own. If any of you are sitting there and saying to yourself, oh, this pure heart, that sounds good, but I, I, I make too many mistakes, I'll, I'll, I'll falter. Hey, this is nowhere is it saying that we're going to be perfect. But what it is, is that your heart's desire, that it resonates with you, that I want to be like Christ. It's a goal that we're never going to reach in this, in this time on this earth, in this body. But that is what we are to pursue, that we're to have a pure heart. And the Holy Spirit will, will uh, be our helper, will be renewed, will look at the world differently, our wants, our desires will change. Um, your worldly desire and happiness won't be based on abundance, leisure, and riches. It's all about living the life that Christ has for you. It's, it's really pursuing, it's, it's a pursuit of being like Christ. Well, we're babies in Christ, and how do we grow to become more mature in our walk so that we can possess this pure heart? I think there's three practical things that we can do uh, in our walk, in our pursuit of having a pure heart. The first one is reading and studying God's Word. I actually was sitting down and, and, and writing this and uh, taking a little break, looking at my phone like most people, uh, check my Twitter, you know, see what people have to say and check my Facebook. Uh, just when I was checking, when I got to this point, Greg, uh, Lowry, uh, Lord, Greg Laurie tweeted something that really caught my attention. This is what he, what he said. He said, God won't force his truth into our lives. He wants us to desire it. He doesn't force feed us. As 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 2 tells us, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The question is for us, are we spiritually hungry? Are you spiritually satisfied where you are? Yeah, your name is in the Lamb Book of Life. You're saved. But are you satisfied with where you are in your walk with Christ? Um, the pure in heart, we desire God's ways. Uh, you don't live according to this world. You know, Jeremiah was asked the question by the Lord. He said, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see? And what he wanted to know from Jeremiah, Jeremiah, do you view the world from your own lens or do you try to view the world from mine? See, the question is, what is our worldview? Do we have a biblical worldview? Do we put compartments on our life where, you know, we come to church, we study God's word, we hear God's word, but when we go back out there to the real world, we start thinking like worldly people. Having a pure heart we are always looking at things from God's perspective. Again, we have the Holy Spirit who will reveal if you cry out to him. That's the first thing, reading and studying God's word, knowing his word, ingraining his word in his ways uh, in your heart. Uh, that is the first practical step. The second practical step is fellowshipping with him. This is our prayer life. 
I mean, the question is, what is your prayer life like? Um, Lord, I want to have a pure heart. Take whatever it is that is getting in the way. Father, you can only cry out to him if you are fellowshipping with him. God yearns to have this intimate fellowship with his people. Uh, the second thing is, I, you know, I, I want to fulfill the reason and purpose that you created for me, Lord. You know, a lot of times in our lives, we believe, Lord, show me your ways. Show me your ways. Show me the path that you have for me. But our worldly mind, we, we believe it's a straight line, you know, because that's just how we are. But the fact of the matter is God will have us wandering, maybe not for 40 years, I hope not, Okay, but God will have us wandering, you know, to the east, to the west, sometimes to the south. But but the goal is up here to the north. And um, but if we are crying out to him to 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 open the doors that he wants open and to close the doors that he wants closed, he will he will lead you. And then, Lord, give me a heart where I want to honor you with my words and my deeds Everything I do, I want to bring honor and glory to your name and to your kingdom. And even when no one is around, that is having a pure heart. Um, The pure in heart fellowship with the Lord. They fellowship with the Lord. It's important to them. And then the third practical thing that I would share with you is to serve others. There's a reason why Jesus said, deny self. Deny self, deny self, deny self. See, We are called to be servants. The greatest honor and title that you'll ever be given is being a servant. That's the greatest honor as being a part of God's kingdom. Um, Again, I want to warn you, this does not mean that the first time you mess up or you make a mistake that, oh, see, that, that pure heart, that's not for me. That's for other people who are better than me. That is the lie of the devil. I'm just telling you that. That's the lie of the devil. What you do when you mess up, like I do all the time, and I'm convicted by this Holy Spirit. Lord, that's not the man I want to be. Lord, I repent from that. You learn from that, and you move on. You move forward. The Christian walk is looking forward. The Christian walk is getting second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, We look forward, and we're called to be like Christ, and that's the goal. And we're going to, tomorrow is a new day. It's a series of new beginnings. That's the Christian walk. Don't ever let the evil one beat you up over mistakes that you you have made here. Um, I, I would share with you that, you know, this world is, and you know this, is only concerned with outward appearances outward appearances. And that's not what the Lord wants. I would use the Pharisees as the example. The Pharisees, they just, they wanted to be religious. They wanted to look the part. We, we see that. I think the greatest example of that is in the gospel of John, this invalid who is at the, uh, the waters of Bethesda. He's been an invalid for 35 years. Uh, no one will serve this man. And what happens? Jesus comes and heals him on the spot. He tells him to pick up his mat and to go. And the Pharisees, they were, in, they were outraged. 
They, they, didn't, they didn't praise the Lord and celebrate that this man who couldn't walk and now walk praised the Lord. They were more concerned that he broke the Sabbath rule of picking up his mat and carrying it from point A to point B. It just shows, it shows all they cared about were the outward appearances. Um, the Pharisees are the perfect example of, of religious and just concerned with what people, with what they see, uh, being religious as, a, as opposed to basing everything on a relationship with Christ. Um, the pure of heart, it, where God is concerned with your inner, with your inners and, and, and what, you know, what you say and what you do, uh, your spirit, your soul, uh, how do you act when no one is looking? Uh, what are your true motives? Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above, above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Again, ha- being pure in heart is the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Christian has a renewed heart and a renewed body. You know, as I was going through this, th- there, were, there were three gentlemen that popped in my mind here. Really quickly, I'll tell you, the first one was Bill Bornstein. I don't know if any of you, Bill has moved on from Prestonwood, but Bill was a Jew. Bill was concerned. His God was making money. That's all he was concerned about. Uh, just very quickly, he, he met, first of all, his wife, Pam, who was the greatest. She comes to Christ. Pam was a very successful businesswoman. They moved here to Dallas for new business opportunities. Pam comes to Christ you know, and Bill follows. He comes. Mike Fetchner had witnessed to him. I've never seen a man. I've never seen a man. Bill was, he just ate it up. He wanted to know about the Lord's ways. And Bill Bornstein had that pure heart that we're talking about. Uh, He's ministering. He has a church out in Scottsdale. All he wants to do is serve the Lord and learn about the Lord. And um, so he comes to mind. Uh, I, I thought of my friend Steve. Uh, Neil, a couple of years ago, Neil Jeffrey was going to have his knees replaced and his hips. He was going to be out for a long time. He calls me. He says, Ron, I got this guy, Steve, I want, to, want you to talk to. I get to know Steve. Steve grew up Jewish. His family had moved to a different part of the country. They found their synagogue to go worship at. They were thrown out of the synagogue because they could not pay the fee. Um, so their family was poor, and it, it, it really it had a traumatic effect upon Steve. He, he hated God. And because of that experience, being thrown out of the synagogue. Uh, Steve marries a woman, Linda, who is a believer, but she kind of had walked away from her faith. Matter of fact, she would tell you that she was one of these Christians that when she accepted Christ, she put no effort into it. And, and she slowly walked away from it. Now, her conversion was authentic. She married Steve, the unbeliever, who's bitter towards God. Steve was a successful businessman. He was a project manager uh, for EDS. He, a matter of fact, to this day, he can't tell me about the projects he was working on. They were top secret. They were critical. Steve literally had a nervous breakdown from the stress from his job. He, he felt like to make himself feel better, he went and had an affair with, with a co-worker. And um, his marriage was going to break up. But God bless his wife. His wife said, wait a minute. You know what? 
I have walked away from my relationship with the Lord. And I really haven't been a good wife. I'd be crazy not to try to fix where I was wrong and not try to save this marriage. Steve comes to Christ, okay? Comes to Christ from the first time I met him to who he is today. He is a changed man. He has, the, he has a pure heart. All he wants to do is serve people. All he wants to do is learn about God. All he wants to do is to be like Christ. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, I met him the other day for coffee, and we were reminiscing and, um, about how the Lord has changed him so much. It's a changed life. He's pursued. He, he wants to have that pure heart. The last person I would share with you that came to my mind is a farmer from Zimbabwe. His name is George. I met him at a dinner I was at. I don't know if you're familiar with what's gone on in Zimbabwe. Basically, uh, their, their president has taken all of the land away. There's racial tensions there. And their president has taken all of the land away from, from the white farmers. And to be honest, the whites treated uh, um, uh, uh, the Africans who live there, it's their country, uh, they treated them poorly. But all of the farming land was being taken away from them. George was the number one farmer in the country, most successful farmer. Um, he's, he comes to Christ through all of this. Uh, the soldiers come to his house to take him to jail, and he says, I want to pray for you first. He prays for them. They say, hey, we can't take you to jail after praying for us. They leave. He doesn't go to jail. Um, he's, crying. he's living in a tiny apartment, crying out to the Lord, Lord, what would you have me do? He says, I want you to go back and teach the people who took your land. I want you to teach them how to farm that land. What? They took my land. You want me to go back and teach them how to farm this land? And he just felt the Holy Spirit impressing upon him. So what does he do? He's obedient. Because again, he has a pure heart. He wants to serve the Lord however the Lord would call him. He not only goes back and teaches them how to farm the land, he shares about Christ. They all know Christ now. He's traveling all over Zimbabwe teaching farming techniques and sharing Christ. It's an unbelievable thing. I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could do that. But here's a man who has the, the, the pure heart that is spoken of here. Uh, I'm running out of time here. Now, that is the whole, you know, uh, if you have a pure heart, what, what, what is the promise? The promise is that they shall see God. If we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, you're going to be in the presence of God for eternity. And we have scripture that tells us how terrific it's going to be. But here's what this text is really telling us. It goes even further than that. What it's telling us is that if we are pursuing to be like Jesus, that you, that God will, he will give you glimpses of, of, of his truth, of his ways. He will pour into you. He will reveal things to you. Um, you will, um, God will just move in your life in an incredible way that, that it will be uh, the greatest existence that you could possibly have in, on this earth 
until Jesus comes to finally take care of this mess. Look, we live in darkness. We live where it's such a fallen world we see it. I don't know about you. I'm so tired of watching the news. I'm not even turning on the TV anymore. But what the Lord, if you have this pure heart and you are pursuing to be like Christ, and Lord, I want to be your man or your woman, what he is telling us here, that you will see God, you will see God move in your life, and he will do things that are unimaginable. And, um, and they will be from him. And anything from, him, from the Lord is good, and it's better than anything that this world has to offer. Amen? That's what this text is telling us. It's a profound statement. It's a simple statement. But if I was to ask you to go home and write a five-page paper on what it really means, you'd have to sit back and say, well, it's simple, but wow, what does it really mean? That's what it means to have the pursuing to be like Christ. And if you are doing that, I'm here to tell you God has blessings that are unbelievable, unbelievable. I want to sign up for that. I want to sign up for that. And, you know, no matter where you're at in your walk with Christ, maybe, you know, I'm sharing this with you and you're saying, yeah, that's the life I'm living. I say, way to go. Keep at it. I encourage you. Or maybe you're saying to yourself, you know, that was my hope and dream years ago. But I kind of, you know, I'm busy. I'm really busy with, with a lot of good stuff. But I'm not chasing after Jesus. Well, tonight's the night that you can drive the stake in the ground just as Joshua did and said, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Um, because that's the beauty of the Christian walk and how our God loves us so perfectly that, that he will, it, it doesn't matter where you were yesterday, it's where you are today and where you're going to be tomorrow. Amen?